0: Alright, I kind of feel bad that uh, the Christmas season is just about over with. We have all these beautiful decorations up here and next week it's just going to be me. So, I'm sorry for you all that, <laughs> but we're going to make the best of it. Uh, we're going to go back this morning um, to looking at that short series that we started before we kind of hit all of the Christmas messages. We were looking at how this life as a Christian and what we do in this life affects the life to come. What difference does it make in, in what I do today? What difference does it make for my eternity? And before we get to that, um, let's just take a moment. Let's, let's commit this time to prayer. Father, I ask you right now to just calm our hearts, to slow us down, Lord, and help us to be still, and to know that you are God and to hear your voice, not my voice, Lord but hear you speaking that inaudibly way to our hearts and taking your word and applying it. Father, I pray that you would just help me kind of to get out of the way and allow your word to do its work. Thank you, Father. In that name we pray. Amen. I want to tell you about a man named Shakri Taufik. Uh Shakri Tofik is an Egyptian doctor moved to the States and he attended a church that I pastored. Shakri loved the Lord. Uh, he wasn't flashy. He was just very solid in his faith. Um, he was a part of our missions committee at the church. And at one point he was involved in promoting a short-term missions project that we were sponsoring. And so it was his job to go before the church and kind of explain the whole thing and, and tell them how they could be part of it. So after he gets to the church and he stands up and he explains the project and the purpose and what we're doing, he lays lays out all the financial support that's needed. Finally, he, he ends by saying something that I will never forget. He says this. He says, if you want to be part of what God is doing, you better hurry before all the support is raised and you miss out in being part of this. If you want to be part of what God is doing, you better hurry before all the support is raised and you miss out in being able to be part of this. Folks, there was a man who understood the relationship between what I do here and the effect that it's going to have on me when I get into eternity. And this is what we have been focusing on uh, for the past few weeks before we hit all of our Christmas messages. It's a reminder to us, a challenge to us to see what I'm doing now. Every single decision that I make, every action that I take on our part is affecting my eternity as a Christian. It matters now what I do and how I live my faith, and it's going to matter then how I am living my faith today. And our material resources, our finances, are all tied up in this. The how and what and when, the motives, they are all tied together in building the kingdom of God now and receiving a blessing, a reward when we stand before Christ in eternity. Now think about that man, Shakri Tofik. Think about what he said. Is this how we view our material resources that God has given us? that if you want to be part of what God is doing, you better hurry before all the support is raised and you miss out on, on being able to be part of this. I mean, is it God, let, let it be me that you use? Use me today? Let it be me that you choose to make a difference? Is there attitude that I'm not looking for, for ways to get out of doing something. I'm looking for ways to get in to doing things for you, for blessing you. Blessing you with all that you have given me in my life. Well, that's what I want to focus on this morning. On, on looking at eternal rewards and what we do now with our resources and how it affects our eternity. Um, if you have your Bibles there, and I hope you do, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to be there for just a little bit and looking at a lot of verses. Matthew chapter 19. We're going to start down in verse 16. If you want to go ahead and take your Bibles out, we're not going to be uh, projecting these verses here particularly. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 20. Here's kind of the preface preface to what I'm actually going to get to, um, but it's important. It says, someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might obtain eternal life. And he said to him, are well, you are asking me about what is good, there is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? All these things I've kept, what am I still lacking? Okay, this is all a preface to the point that I want to make. But we need to understand what Jesus is saying here when he says in verse 21, he goes on. So here's the preface. Then Jesus begins to teach. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. Christ makes the connection between our possessions and our treasures in eternity, in heaven. Then verse 23. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel To go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So you got to ask yourself, why is it so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God? Well, the answer to that is because the standard of how we perceive our possessions, the standard that God's had for it, it's the same for the rich as it is for the poor. We must see that all that we have, that's what Christ is saying here, we need to see that all that we have is Christ. And remember, Christ says we're we're supposed to be willing to forsake it all, use it all for Christ, for his sake. Now, though it's not true, a rich man may perceive that the cost is higher for them, you know, to forsake all and, and follow Christ. They may perceive that it's higher for them You know, then it might be for a poor man. I mean, somebody making a million dollars a year—well, that's a big, you know, forsaking all. You know, versus somebody who's making, you know, ten thousand dollars a year. But for Christ, it's the same. All is all. The price is the same. That's why it comes the difficulty, because Christ is asking us to take everything that we have, everything that we all are, all our possessions, all of our talents, all of our abilities. And lay them before the cross. Again, I, I, I want to tell you, this, this sermon isn't about giving. It may sound like it is, but it's really not about giving to the church. It's about seeing and serving Christ with everything that we have and laying everything before him. God will lead you and God will guide you in how he wants you to, to give and to, to move on these things, but this is all about a heart, a heart. That we're talking here so with this Peter asked the obvious question you know if you know he talks about you know forsaking all and following him Peter asked an obvious question in verse 27 he says then Peter said to him behold we have left everything and followed you what then will there be for us Okay, I I don't get a sense here that Peter is bragging here, but look at all that I have done for Jesus here. I mean, it's Christ who brought this subject up of how our possessions and how we use them now affects our eternity. So the obvious question for the disciples is, what will it look like for us? You know, we have forsaken all, and we are following you. answer is in verse 28. Jesus said to them, (coughs) Excuse me, truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the generation when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now catch it here. It wasn't their belief. It wasn't just saying, oh, well, it's enough that you put your faith and trust in me. It's, it's enough that you're trusting me as the Messiah, as the Savior, you know, as, as the ransom for your sin. This isn't what he's talking about, affecting their eternity. It wasn't their belief that brought the reward literally for them the 12 thrones that they're gonna sit upon but it was their behavior what they did with it they followed Christ they they left everything and he said because of this because you have done this you, know, you have left everything you have this reward now again I I never claim to know everything about these rewards. I certainly don't know about the disciples, these 12 thrones. We have some ideas about what these things might be and what's involved here. But that, that isn't the point of why I'm bringing this up. It says in verse 29, it goes on, it says this. And everyone who has left houses, and everyone, he's talking about us now. He just talked about the disciples a second ago. He talked about a specific reward for them. But then he says, everyone, every Christian who has left houses, or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or childrens, or farms for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. You see, suddenly that statement, if we want to be involved with what God is doing, you better hurry before all the support is raised and you miss being part of it. Suddenly, on it, suddenly that takes on a whole meaning in and of itself. That we're not looking for ways to get out of it, but we're looking for ways to get in. I mean, God can do it without my support, folks. God doesn't need me. But I don't want him to do it without me. I don't want him, I I don't want it to go forward without me. I want to be part of it. I want my home. I want my old beat-up pickup truck. I want my money. I want it all to be working for God. I don't want to not be used. This is the application of verse 29. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or farms for my sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. When we lay those all before the Lord, God says, it makes a difference in my eternal life. It makes a difference in my eternity. Well, you're in Matthew already, so if you'd like to, Go back to Matthew chapter six. We're going to refer to some verses there, these we'll put up on the on the projector. And Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen and twenty. We'll start there. He says, Christ says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Now, there's a Greek word, tesseros, um, and it means treasure there. And it is the exact same word of the treasures when he's talking about treasures on earth, and he's talking about treasures, real treasures in heaven. It's the same word. Lay up, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures. It's that same word in heaven where moths nor rust destroy where thieves do not break in and steal now three quick points here number one what should you be doing with your treasures you should be storing them up laying them up when i use them for christ when when i'm using all that christ has given me when i'm using for him he said literally i'm laying up those treasures second question who should you be laying these treasures up for Now, you're thinking here, and you think, well, we lay up those treasures, you know, everything for Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that. In verse 20 there, it says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. These treasures that we are laying up are for ourselves in heaven. And using my physical resources for Christ's kingdom, I'm laying up treasures that await me. Again, I don't fully understand all of this this is the truth that God has placed before us I should be laying up my my resources here my focus should be in heaven You see location matters matter of fact that's the whole point of chapter 6 if you remember chapter 6 started way back in verse 1 through 4 where Christ said this he said beware of practicing your righteousnesses before men to be noticed by them otherwise you have no reward with your father who is in heaven So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that you may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, he's saying if you do it for men, you're going to receive your reward now. When we do things for God... We are going to have multipl- multiplied rewards in heaven. And I, again, by now you might be asking, what, what good are treasures going to matter to me in heaven? What difference is it going to make? And I understand the question, and, and I'm not sure I have a total answer for you. yet we have to conclude from Jesus' dramatic statements in here, here and in many other places that treasures will matter greatly. In heaven, it's going to make a difference. In Luke chapter twelve, verse thirty-three, he says this: He says, "Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourself money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thieves come near nor maws destroy." In First Timothy six seventeen, says, "Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches." but on God who richly supplies us all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Again, I may not understand how it's going to play out. God hasn't given us all that information, but there is plenty of, of God's word that tells us this truth. And in God's kingdom, I have to believe, when, when the pull of, of our, 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 our sinful greed and our envy and our manipulation, when that is empty, uh, absent, when we no longer have that pull of sin in our lives, it is going to serve a pure and meaningful purpose, the treasures that God, you know, that we have laid up for ourselves in heaven. It, it, it just makes sense. Some more verses luke chapter 16 verse 10 it says this luke chapter 16 verse 10 it says he who is faithful in very little things is faithful also in much and he who is unrighteous in very little things is unrighteous also in much in other words he's given us an argument from the lesser to the greater in other words if you can be trusted with little things you can be trusted with big things and vice versa. If you can't be trusted with little things that God gives you, you know, how can you be trusted with, with big things? It goes on in verse 11. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with tr- who will entrust true riches to, to you? See, this unrighteous wealth, what it's speaking of, it's speaking of worldly wealth here. He's comparing worldly wealth with spiritual wealth. And note the connection between what we do with worldly wealth and the true riches that we get here. It says in verse 12, And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You see, you've got to understand what he's saying here. All that we have is God's. All that I have, you know, it's on loan to us. Use of that which is another's. That's what that means. God gives us these things. And you may say, well, wait a minute. I've done pretty good for myself. I've worked hard. I've got that education. I've got, you know, whatever it may be. God has given us all those abilities. God has made all of those things possible for us. And in these things that he has given us, he has has given uh, those things to us on loan. And the key word here is, are you faithful with those things? I mean, it's used four times here. Four times. That's how I'm to approach my worldly goods with the faithfulness. God has entrusted me with these things, and I want to be faithful to him with how I'll use them. If I'm not faithful in what is not really mine, in other words, God has given me all those things, how can I be given what that which will be mine when I get to eternity will be truly mine? In other words, if you do well with what you think is yours, your own now, you'll get what really is your own Later. When you're in eternity. And then he gives us this conclusion. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You see, the wealth that God asks you to serve him with is the very force in your life that threatens the, your loyalty to your master. I'll, I'll tell you why that is. It, and I think you can probably attest to that. Um, we don't like to hear messages on giving. We don't like to hear messages on money. And, and you've got to ask yourself, why is it? Why wouldn't, whenever somebody preaches on money, why, why is that? Well, I think it's because it hits really cl- close to our heart. You know, it strikes in the heart of what is really of value to us. Now, some may say, well, I love hearing messages on giving you know, well, that's probably because where your heart is and, you know, where, where your relationship with the Lord is. Our giving, our laying our things before the Lord, it's a physical personification of the real reality of my relationship with God and Christ, who we're serving. And that's why it's either comfortable or uncomfortable to us to hear it. When you serve God, you're using God's money to accomplish God's wishes, But when you serve money, you are using God's money to accomplish your wishes and your desires. And when you do that, you will inevitably follow your own desires. And you will try to keep those things for yourself. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In in Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let me ask you this. Where is your heart right now? Where is your heart right now? If you aren't purposefully and generously investing your treasures in God's kingdom, I promise you, the reason is because your heart's not there. You invest in something that where your heart is, where your, your passion and your desires is. It is very easy to give. It's very easy to serve. It's very easy to, to lay our lives out for things that are important to us. And the solution to this, it's simple. You know, it's simple, but it's difficult. And it's also life-changing. I want to challenge you, don't wait for your heart to move on its own, because it may not, never happen. Instead, apply what you've learned from the word of Jesus, begin to move your treasures, saying what matters in heaven. So what I want us to do as, as we're closing here, I want us all to search our hearts. If that's where this whole matter lies and where my heart is, there my treasures will be. My possessions, everything. Let's, let's do a little heart search here. Does how we view our resources match the reality of why God has entrusted them to us? You know, too much is given, much is expected. Is that the reality that we feel that, that God, if, if God's blessing has so come upon us that God has done it for a reason, for a purpose for His kingdom? Will I use God's home? Will I use God's car? Will I use God's seek, uh, resources to seek first His kingdom? To lay up treasures in heaven? Quite honestly, I don't, want the, I don't know what that will mean for each and every one of you. And I'm not even going to begin. Uh, to try to identify it. God knows what that will mean. You know what that will mean in your life. The question is, do you trust him enough to faithfully follow what he tells you to do? Father, I'm going to ask you right now to to speak to our hearts. Father, it's very easy for us to you know, hear this and, and go on our way you know, not to be changed. Lord, I confess to you, Satan often has us bound up in our things and we hold on to them too tightly. Forgive me for that, Lord. I pray that you will help even my actions sometimes, you know, my attitude follow those actions, that even what I do will be with the right reason for the right purpose. Guide each and every one of us here is, as we live for eternity, for not for the here and now, to understand what it means to us personally, individually. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us the faith, the courage, to take those necessary steps. Thank you, Father. In thy son's name we pray. Amen.
1: If you would grab your hymn book in front of you. Ben, I'm not going to do the slide song. And just stand and open to page. 597 as we reflect on the service this morning.
0: Are you going to do about this? Do you believe God? Do you believe his word? Do you believe what he says? I mean, this is a message. This is the truth. God has spoken to us. Jesus has spoken to us. That calls to action, calls you know, to change our lives. And for some, it's, it's been an encouragement to us. I mean, it's been encouragement to you. Maybe it's easy, uh, again, to, to, to struggle in our service sometimes, and we look around us sometimes, and I think, where's everybody else? But it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm here. I'm here, whatever God you want to use me for. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. It, what matters is between you and God. Are you ready to listen to him, to guide you and direct you with all the things that he has placed in your life before you? Father, I'm just going to ask you to speak to our hearts beyond The walls here beyond leaving the church at home when we're there Lord when an opportunity comes for us to serve you Father give us that joy joy in giving joy in pouring ourselves out before you Father knowing that this life is just a a vapor what is real is to come And, and I know the world chips away at that Satan chips away at that truth in our life Forgive me, Father, for the times that I have failed you in this. And I ask that you'll give each and every one of us that know you as their Lord and Savior those opportunities this week, big and small, to make a difference for your kingdom, to be used of you, to be poured out as that drink offering before the world. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. Thank you for this challenge that you've given us here today. Dismiss us with your grace and mercy upon us. In thy name.